to uh, welcome you today to our Palm Sunday uh, online service. I wish that we could all be together uh, right here in this auditorium, but that's impossible right now. And we will make the most of uh, what uh, opportunities we do have. And so I'm thankful that we're together, at least online, where we can uh, praise God and thank him and worship him today. Uh, Before we really look at the message, I hope that you caught that during this Easter season, Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter, we're focused on Jesus Christ's words in John chapter 11, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He concludes that passage of scripture by asking the question, do you believe? And so it's important for us to recognize that God is, Jesus himself is, the resurrection and the life, and we need to believe that. When I think about uh, that and think about this Easter season, today really our focus is going to be on praise. As uh, we look at Matthew chapter 21 specifically, where Jesus has this march into Jerusalem. And then on Good Friday, we're going to focus on pain and suffering. And then uh, on Easter itself, we'll be able to focus on power. But today, as we think about this whole issue of of, uh, the coronavirus and and, uh, praising God and rejoicing, sometimes it's hard for us to put that together. I uh, heard yesterday on some news show uh, the statistics right now in regards to mental health. And how many people are really struggling with fear and, and anxiety and, and panic? And I got thinking about that and how closely tied together is our mental health and our spiritual health. And so when I thought about that, I thought, well, what is it that we can do uh, to help ourselves and to help one another as it relates to the spiritual and the mental health issues? And I want to suggest just a couple things to you. I'm not an expert in regards to the coronavirus or pandemics. And I don't know about you, but I'm really getting to the point where I'm tired of hearing updates and and statistics and, and so forth. And sometimes we're hearing from people who really aren't experts in this area, but they believe that they have a lot to say about the pandemic. But the spiritual issues and the mental health issues, I think we can address. I would suggest to you that first of all, that maybe we need to refrain from watching the news all the time. And I don't know about you, but when you watch the news all day long, uh, it's going to depress you. There's nothing positive or very few things that come across the news that are positive. And if we're watching and listening to the news all day long, like some people are, it's going to impact your negatively. It's going to impact your mental health, and your spiritual health. And so I'd be careful of that. Secondly, I think we need to be in a routine. You hear on uh, television that if you have children especially, have a routine for them. 
Don't let them stay up all night. Don't have them get up at a certain time. Uh, Go through your class materials and have some kind of routine. But you know, a routine is important for all of us, regardless of how old we are, especially as it relates to our mental health and our spiritual health. Someone the other day told me that they're sleeping till noon every single day. Well, I can tell you that that's not good because after they get up at noon, they watch TV and their main focus is the news. And so by the end of the day, they are really depressed. Have a routine. And for those of us who are believers, that routine really needs to include where every day we're having devotions. We're, we're reading some devotional where we are praying, where we're reading the Bible and studying. And so I hope that you have that in your routine. The second thing in regards to a routine is this. I hope that you avail yourself of all that this church is doing online, all of the emails and the videos, but all of all the live stream. Uh, I I hope that that you're watching uh, Monday through Thursday, our 10 o'clock in the morning Uh, live stream. I hope that at one o'clock you're tuning in and watching the live stream. In fact, this week on Wednesday, Pastor Taylor is going to be focused on that 10 o'clock hour of doing a survey of this holy week. And so Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, begins what we refer to as holy work or passion week. And what takes place during that entire week? Well, Pastor Taylor is going to give us a survey of all that takes place in the life of Jesus Christ uh, during that Passion Week. I hope that you plan to tune in on that. And then I think the third thing that we need to do, not only to refrain from watching news and all all day and being careful who we listen to, And secondly, having a routine where we're spending time with God and and having our devotions and and, uh, really tuning into live stream events that can help us and lift our spirit. But I also hope that you rejoice. You know, earlier we read uh, on one of our, the beginning of the service, Psalm 118, where we read that this is the day the Lord hath made We will, it says, rejoice and be glad in it. You can see the psalmist there making a commitment, a determination that he will uh, rejoice and be glad in it. Now you realize, I hope, that uh, this is the day the Lord hath made. Whether we're dealing with a pandemic, whether we're dealing with health issues, regardless of what we're dealing with, if we're, if we're at home all the time and we're getting bored and we don't know what in the world to do, it's still the day the Lord hath made and we need to rejoice and be glad in it. I know that's something that I've really focused on during this time that, that my travels and so forth are curtailed. That, I, that I'm spending time rejoicing in God, praising God, uh, showing God and other people my gratitude. I, I'm thankful for the worship team today. Boy, they did a fantastic job. And uh, I, I was blessed uh, by listening to them and, and watching them and, and hearing the words of the songs. They sang one of my favorite songs, Every Praise is to Our God a song that was made popular by Hezekiah Walker. And, and I love that song. Uh, oftentimes, if, if I get a little down and discouraged, uh, I'll put that on. And uh, that encourages my heart. So I'm thankful for the worship team. I'm thankful for those who uh, make this uh, 
live stream service possible. Uh, God bless them. Keep them healthy, I pray. And uh, I'm also, though, thankful uh, for all of those who are on the front lines helping to protect us. Uh, I, I really think that you and I should recognize that there are a lot of people we should uh, thank God for and communicate to them our thankfulness as well to all the doctors, to all the nurses, all the technicians, all the sonographers, respiratory therapists, first responders, healthcare providers, hospital staff across the United States and across the world. They're putting their lives on the line for us. We need to be praying for them. We need to thank God for them. And when we can, we need to communicate to them uh, our gratitude. We need to tell them how thankful we are for all that they're doing uh, for us uh, right now during this pandemic. And so I want to uh, encourage you to rejoice, to be thankful, because whether we like it or not, this is the day the Lord hath made. And let's be determined, let's make that commitment that the psalmist made that we will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, today we're looking at how Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way or the truth of the life. But he focused on this in chapter 11 by saying that he is the resurrection and the life. And he deals with that in a very uh, tough chapter where we find the death of his good friend Lazarus. And so we want to uh, look today at how we have a, a God that we are to praise because Palm Sunday is a time in which the multitude in Jerusalem celebrated the coming of the king. They celebrated the coronation, if you will, of Jesus as king of Israel. And so this, again, is our Palm Sunday. On Friday, we'll look at pain. And that pain really is the agonizing suffering of the king himself. And so Jesus came to this earth with the express purpose of suffering and shedding his precious blood and dying on the cross that we might have life. But oftentimes we run away from the whole issue of pain. There are many people around this world who relate to Jesus through his suffering, through his pain. Because they're experiencing pain every day. And it's not only physical pain, but the pain of injustice. Issues like that. Well, on Good Friday, we'll talk about the most bitter day of all days. When Jesus was crucified. But then we rejoice... And this makes Easter such a wonderful season that on Easter, we'll look at the power of the resurrection. We'll talk about how that resurrection power impacts our lives. But today, we're going to be uh, talking about Palm Sunday. We're talking about praise, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It begins what we refer to as Holy Week. Uh, passion week it's the the coronation uh, of the king 
And so Jesus is concerned about going into Jerusalem and uh, he wants to prepare for the Passover. And that's the uh, portion of scripture that we're going to be dealing with today. And so I want to uh, take a few minutes to read Matthew chapter 21. And uh, I want to read the uh, first 11 verses. And so if you have your Bibles at home, I'm sure it will be up on the screen here as well. But if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 21, and I'm going to uh, read the first 11 verses. And so here's the account that Matthew gives to us about the triumphal entry uh, of Jesus into Jerusalem. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them uh, to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet who is the prophet uh, Zechariah in chapter 9 and verse 9. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the fowl of a beast of burden. Verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, put on them their cloaks, and sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered into Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And so here is this uh, tremendous passage of scripture that deals with the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Now I want you to know that every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, give us this account and each uh, view it in a little different way. So I want to encourage you at home after the service to, to check out what uh, you know the, each writer has to say about the triumphal entry that we just read about in the Gospel of, of Matthew. And I want to uh, really begin today by talking about the context, first of all, in which we find Jesus riding uh, into Jerusalem as uh, the king. Really the context, I think we find in John chapter 10, 11, and 12. And so in John chapter 12, we find the triumphal entry. But what has just taken place? There's two things that I want you to take note of. In the gospel of John and uh, chapter uh, 10, Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd. And so it's important for us to recognize that before Jesus comes into Jerusalem as the king, he wants everyone to know that he is the good shepherd. And so Jesus meets our every need. He is the one who provides for us safety and security, just like a shepherd takes care of the sheep. He's the entryway into uh, uh, heaven. 
And uh, Jesus wants us to realize that he is the entryway to the Father and to the kingdom of God itself. And so as the good shepherd, he guards us. As the good shepherd, he preserves us. As the good shepherd, he, he uh, provides for us. As the good shepherd, as we put our faith and trust in him, then he makes us secure and safe in regards to our salvation. And so he tells us then, the end of that chapter, that nothing can separate us from our father. No one can pluck us out of his hand because the good shepherd is protecting us. And then Jesus in chapter 11 uh, talks to us about how he is uh, the resurrection and the life. This is a familiar story, I'm sure to you. Jesus' good friend, Lazarus, died. And uh, Jesus was, so to speak, out of town. And he uh, prolonged his stay out of town. And so he didn't arrive uh, to uh, this funeral and, and uh, to where all of this was happening until four days later. Now, I thought about this this week, that Jesus is clearly the one who never makes any mistakes and he's never, his plans are never disrupted by man. And uh, there's never confusion in his mind about what's taking place. And so four days pass. But when you read uh, of the Jewish people, especially during the time of Jesus, that there were many of them that believed that somehow uh, when people died up to three days the spirit, so to speak, or soul, could still come back and re-inhabit that person. So Jesus waiting four days was part of his plan that from a human standpoint, there was no hope. Lazarus was dead and gone, so to speak. But then Jesus comes, and uh, he wants them to know, and he makes a tremendous claim here, that he was the resurrection and, and the life. And so he wanted us to know that he is the reality of life itself. And so what we find in this account, and I'm not going to read the entire account, but what Jesus shows us here, first of all, is his confidence. Beginning in verse 23, he, he tells uh, the uh, sisters, I want you to know that he's going to live. And so when we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we look to him for guidance and direction. Let's realize that we can have confidence because here, even in this account, there was tremendous confidence. We find also in this account the comfort that Jesus provides for us. When we looked at, at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're told that God is the God, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And here Jesus in, in John chapter 11 brings comfort to those who are mourning and sad and hurting. He even weeps. And so we know that even after the triumphal entry that we're told, especially in the gospel of Luke, that, that uh, Jesus looked over Jerusalem itself and wept. And so God brings us comfort. Because he suffered, he understands our suffering. And he comforts us. But we also find these claims here. 
Everyone understood who, who he claimed to be in this, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. He's not saying that there's someday going to be a resurrection. He's not saying that someday even those who die will have life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so he's claiming to, to be the very event of the resurrection and the reality of life itself. He was the source and the power of the resurrection. And so he, uh, he granted and was the, the guarantee of life itself. So in this account, the focus isn't on death, it's on life. The focus isn't even on the resurrection itself, it's on Jesus himself. And so the focus is on him and, and nothing else. And so he identifies himself with the event of the resurrection and life itself. It's an unbelievable claim that he makes. People understood who he was saying that he was. But then we find conversion here as well. So we see in this account uh, confidence and comfort and claims that Jesus made. But we see conversion when Jesus, after he tells them that he is the resurrection and the life, he clearly wants them to uh, personalize it. And he says to them, well, do you believe this? What an important question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that a little later Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes unto the Father but by me? Do you believe this? And of course, the answer to this is found in verse 27 of chapter 11 of Gospel of John. And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And so you and I need to make sure that as we think about the reality of life and Christ, that we believe it's not enough just to have uh, some knowledge. We need to believe it. We need to put our faith and trust in it. Now, let's focus for a few minutes on the city uh, and the crowd itself. Because it was the Passover, most experts believe that there were at least 2.7 uh, Jewish people there in Jerusalem that didn't live there, but they were there traveling to Jerusalem uh, to uh, participate in the Passover. And so besides that 2.7 million, there, were, there was a vast crowd of people, including some, a multitude, uh, Luke tells us, of disciples of Jesus. And so the city uh, was uh, an exciting place to be. It was packed with people. It was an exciting time. And so uh, Jesus then orders uh, two disciples to retrieve a donkey and uh, it's mom. And so uh, her uh, young colt. And so the colt would be the mount for Jesus. And uh, the mother uh, would help keep it calm because we're told that uh, no one had ever even ridden uh, on this uh, 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 beast of burden uh, before. And so there's this celebration. Now let's think about the celebration in this city. Uh, there's, there, it's marked, uh, really it marks the official and really the last official offer that Jesus makes to the nation of, of Israel to be their king. 
If they were to accept this right now, and it wasn't the plan apparently, but if they were accepted at this time, Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they were truly worshiping him, then he would have ushered in his kingdom. We wouldn't be dealing with some of the issues that we're dealing with today that are a result of sin here upon this earth. And so we could spend a great deal of time talking about all of the different uh, points of interest in this account. I mean, think about a few of them uh, with me right now. First of all is this donkey, the, the Lord of glory riding uh, a humble beast of burden. One would expect a king to come in on you know, a, a horse that really was a warrior's horse. Something big and, and, and attractive and something that would cause everyone to look. Now, this wasn't totally unusual because we read in the Old Testament that even David would uh, ride on uh, a mule or a donkey at times. And uh, what uh, is usually uh, the reason why um, a, a king or a conqueror would, would be on a donkey or a mule is to give this picture of peaceful intentions. And so you and I should rejoice today that Jesus was the Prince of Peace. That when we put our faith and trust in him, he gives us uh, a, a tremendous peace of mind and heart. And so it's a picture then as he rides in uh, on uh, this, this donkey. I think it's focused on his mission. And his mission was, was not political salvation at this point. His mission was, was really uh, spiritual salvation. He didn't come to to lead to political liberation and and independence. He came uh, first to uh, do battle with sin and and Satan and death itself. And so we see him coming in then on on this donkey. And and it took humility and, and a willingness to take the form of a servant and submit to the punishment that God's people uh, deserve for their sins. And so he comes, doesn't come in on this war horse with great attention, but he comes in on this donkey. Now we know in the account then that they uh, cut branches, and this is why we refer to this as Palm Sunday. And so uh, with these palms, which represent goodness and and victory, uh, it represented the, the final victory over death and uh, and so forth, because we read in First Corinthians chapter 15, O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? And so they were worshiping, rejoicing uh, with these uh, palm branches. They were waving them. They also threw them on, on the pathway uh, before Jesus. We also read of their cloaks, their clothes. And so they were taking off their, their cloaks, their jackets, so to speak, their outer garments. And they were throwing that as well uh, on, uh, uh, on the path. Uh, they were spreading their cloaks on, on the road itself. And so the palm branches and the clothes laying under Jesus indicates that Jesus was to rule over them. He was to be their king, their lord. And um, in the end, however, what we have to understand is that the majority of people who worshipped in in this and were doing this really were not willing, however, to uh, make him uh, the lord of their lives. And then they were using their voices. 
And so they were crying out, Hosanna, which means uh, save me or save now, save us now. And whenever I read that, and I know that uh, there were different groups of people here worshiping and, and at this celebration, but I, was one, I always wonder, well, what was going through their minds? What were they hoping he would save them from? You know, the, you know what were, were they interested in the Messiah coming to bring Israel back to its glory days? We could ask ourselves the same question. When we come to Jesus for salvation, what are we hoping that he saves us from? From the pain we're experiencing, do we hope that he saves us from financial difficulties? Uh, or are we looking at this from a spiritual standpoint, that he came to save us from our sins? And so they, they were crying out, Hosanna. They, they did not realize that the kingdom of God would start in a small and, and barely perceptible manner. That it would be a spiritual reality before it was going to be a physical reality. And so the concern of Jesus was their spiritual life, not just their physical life. You see, we we get that all messed up, especially here in America. We don't like pain and we don't like suffering in any way. And it doesn't mean we should. But more than any other country, we, we do everything we possibly can to run away from suffering and run away from pain. If there's a pill for it, if there's if we, you know, if we drink enough, if we do whatever to run away from that pain. And Jesus is really focused more on the spiritual than the physical. And so we need to recognize that as well. And so I think that this account clearly shows us that we can't save ourselves. And and we need to trust him even today and proclaim him to a world around us that uh, is in need of a savior. And so Jesus is focused then on this new spiritual life that comes in Christ. Now, when I think about this crowd, I think really that they fall into three categories. I think all uh, humankind falls into three categories. I think when they, they responded to Jesus, and I think everybody in the world in one way or another responds to Jesus. Uh, I, I, I think that everybody responds, but the question is, how do they respond and why do they respond? So when you think about this account, I I think that first and foremost, we need to realize that there were a lot of people, Luke especially focuses on this this group, that were true believers. And you know, this great celebration was a praise time. They came together to praise praise God. They came together to, to really rejoice that Jesus was the Savior to come to save them from their sins. They recognized who he really was. They, they were elated because, you know, he, he was there to save them and to fulfill all Old Testament uh, prophecies. And so they were the true believers. Luke refers to them as a multitude of his disciples. We don't know how many were there, but there were quite a few people that were true believers. And this was a time for them to rejoice and to praise God. But the Bible clearly tells us that there was a multitude of people in Jerusalem, and they weren't all believers. I think the second group we could refer to as a group of people who were there because it was party time. We clearly see that today, that Easter is a party time. Now, there's nothing wrong with parties, and I'm sure that many people are planning that as soon as 
uh, all of our restrictions are lifted, they're going to have parties. I hope they're good parties. I hope that they are parties that honor God, especially if you're a believer. But these individuals, there were many of them who, who were just thinking, you know, hey, here's a party. Let's go to a party. Let's go because there's things that are exciting. They were amused. They weren't necessarily adoring Jesus. They were amused by all of this. They were individuals who, who thought, you know, hey, this is a good time to be entertained. Maybe there are some people that even come to church for this purpose. You know, it's a good time. I'm entertained. I love the music and so forth. But, but they're really not, from their heart, praising God and rejoicing in him and, and really focused on him. Well, there was a third group. We see this group very, very clearly. They saw it as a protest time. This, this was a group that weren't, they weren't neutral. They weren't there just, you know, okay, passive and let's have a good time. They were angry. They were in a rage. They, they, were, in an, they, were, they were ready to riot. They resented Jesus and who he claimed to be. And so they were individuals who were knowledgeable but very irrational. Why do I say they were irrational? Well, just think about this. They're going to try to kill the giver of life himself. They're going to kill the person who says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's irrational. And so, you know, here's this third group then that uh, refused to accept and follow even though they had knowledge. So when we think of this, we think of this account Let's, let's bring it somewhat to a close. And we looked at the crowd when Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem. But what about the crowd today? What about all of us? What group are we in? Would we be the group that really sees this as a time of rejoicing? Would we be in the group that looks at this as a time for a party? Or would we even be in that group where we're protesting? We're upset at Jesus and who he claimed to be, and we don't believe in any way, shape, or form. And so what's your response? But I also ask you, why? Why do you have that response? Well, I think it's important for us to think of this, that when you put this in the context of Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life— I think you and I, really, if we're going to be in that first group of rejoicers, people who really believed in Jesus, then we need to believe that he is the resurrection and the life. That's the most important thing for us to believe. And I would say, as I think about this triumphal entry and all that takes place, don't celebrate Jesus as a king, we need to celebrate because we've made him our king. I am the resurrection of life. And Jesus said, do you believe this? Let's pray.